and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. So happy to have you here and excited for this week's guest. It's a very prevalent topic in my life right now in this season, all about managing stress and building better habits. And our guest talking about this topic today is Marina Kay. So Marina is a stress buster, joy finder, and a holistic wellness coach focusing on stress and burnout prevention in high achievers and entrepreneurs. Her passion is helping people affected by chronic stress feel calm, confident, and resilient. So in this episode, Marina and I talk about stress and the effect that stress has on the body. Um, We talk about those different coping mechanisms that we turn to when we are stressed out and when we are burnt out. And we talk about managing burnout and how to kind of tell and and catch those habits uh, before you get to the point where you're burned out. One thing that we talked about, which I'm really glad Marina brought to this conversation because it's something that I think about all the time and I have since I was little, but is our caffeine addiction in society and how it's just totally normal that people are highly addicted to this substance to the point where they can't go a day without drinking it or else they'll get a headache or have these other symptoms, that that is just like a normal thing in our society. And I always think like, you know, coffee shops, and, and I say this being a person who also drinks coffee and like knows about this, but, you know, imagine if like instead of coffee shops, we had like, I don't know, like cocaine shops, which would be so crazy, right? Like my immediate reaction to that is like, what, a cocaine shop? Like imagine if you just like went to work and right before you went to work, you stopped at the cocaine shop and like did a line of coke, (laughs) which like no one would do that. Um, So that has been my opinion of coffee or I've just like wondered that, I've questioned that the past couple years. Uh, about coffee in general, but also I love coffee and I love coffee shops. So we talk about caffeine and how, you know, you can start to incorporate different things and wean yourself off of caffeine just to support and nourish the body in a better way. I actually just ordered mud water for the first time because I was just, like I mentioned in this episode, I do love coffee, but it does give me anxiety and like I don't feel my best when I drink it but I do just love that feeling of drinking coffee and I love the ritual of it and I love the smells and the taste so I do love like drinking coffee it's like a treat for me but I know that when I drink it I'm gonna have these side effects which are feeling anxiety feeling a little like off balance feeling a little kind of shaky and then also kind of having like a big crash after 
So that's what happens sometimes when I drink coffee. And for Christmas, all I all I wanted for Christmas was an espresso machine. So now Pax and I have an espresso machine in our apartment. And so I've been drinking a lot more coffee lately than I usually do because we have this Nespresso. So just hearing some of Marina's tips actually helped me to want to break some of my caffeine habit. And I just tried uh, mud water for the first time, which is this like mixture between chai and cacao and has a bunch of adaptogens and herbs in it and really supports the body better. So I've been drinking that the past couple of days, which has been nice because it does feel that like warm ritualistic cup of, of coffee, but it's not coffee. It's non-caffeinated. So check out Mudwater if you want. I was also like obsessed with their branding, but that's a little tangent. But going back to a little bit more about what Marina and I discuss is about, you know, going, talking about caffeine and, and those kind of drug addictions and then, you know, work in the psychedelic research and therapy field of using psychedelics researched by doctors to really help people with some mental health disorders, including anxiety and depression and PTSD. So it's a really interesting episode. I feel like it's a little different than what our usual conversations are about, but it's really about health and and being healthy in the body and finding some of these alternative ways to bring your body and your health back into balance and back into alignment and allowing yourself to explore a creative practice in in managing stress so a creative practice is a beautiful way to kind of cut down on some of those coping mechanisms that might be a little bit not as healthy for you or not as nourishing and a mindful creativity practice can really be one of those nourishing supportive habits so it's a really interesting episode i think you'll really enjoy it and without further ado here's marina k Well, hello, Marina. Thanks so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so the first question I always start with is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? Mm, That's such a beautiful question because I actually recently, uh, as by way of doing some inner child work, I have been felt just feeling really called to reconnect with creativity. So this is super timely. And I got an adult coloring book, which is definitely something that I feel very disconnected from for a really long time. Just anything that sparks inner child healing and reconnecting with those parts of us that we all still have within ourselves that we don't really use, you know, since childhood. So yeah, that's been my meditative practice this month as coloring. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. I love that. What like sparked you wanting to connect with your inner child in that way? Yeah. I have my own coach being a coach, you know, always looking for additional viewpoints and, you know, just ways to challenge myself, but just working with my coach, it's something that came up and, you know, I had a few visions in my meditations of just that, childhood joy and play and just the concept of play itself and how typically we don't prioritize it as we grow older. And I was thinking of ways to cultivate more of that. I wish I had like a giant pit of, you know, like balls or just like something to play around with, like an adult playground or something. That was what's what was coming up to me in my meditation, but don't really have access to that. So I have to get creative and yeah, journaling, um, coloring, just reflecting on, you know, my meditations and what comes up for me. Those were just a few things that I've been working with this month. And the month of March is my birthday month. So I had my birthday a couple weeks ago, 
And yeah, it just felt really good to kind of think back on when I was a kid, when I was younger and what I used to do. And yeah, I very much believe that that part is still within us. We just rarely honor that, you know, we get so serious and we start to only think about the future. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that it kind of relates to, to like, I know you do a lot of work with stress and with managing people's stress and helping them through stress. I feel like play is one of those things that allows us to lower stress and, it's like, right, we're not taught as adults that we can just play, that we can just do things for the sake of doing them. It's not like, you know, we, we're led to believe that like everything has to have a purpose and we have to be working towards a goal. But that's what I love so much about embracing our creative like senses again and, and reclaiming them in that we can just create just to create. So I love that you're exploring that through a coloring book. What better way to just kind of color and it's not for something specific. It's just this meditative practice. Like you mentioned. I love that. Also, I actually didn't realize how it does tie into my work, which as you mentioned is in stress and mental health and just a lot of heavy things that I typically work on with my clients. And I do think there's so much value in introducing that lightness and prioritizing it. Mm. So thank you for that. I will start to weave that in. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. I want to hear more about your journey and how, you know, what has your trajectory been like so far? How did you get into this work? What do you do with clients? Give us a little bit more of that. Yeah. So my background is in corporate, you know, I didn't start out in the wellness space as much as I wish I could have. It's like, if I knew exactly what I wanted to do back, you know, in my teenage years and early twenties, I think it would just be a lot easier. But I also think that there's a lot of purpose in me having to go through my own stress and burnout journey, which is kind of what happened when I was in corporate living in New York. And, you know, before New York, I was living in Chicago, but just in that fast pace of corporate life and, constantly trying to keep up, you know, catching up on nights and weekends, while also trying to be a good friend, have a social life, be a good partner, and just trying to check all the boxes as that tends to happen to us. Yeah, it was definitely a huge toll on my physical health, my mental health. And so throughout that time, I started to support myself. I kind of reached a low point back in 2015, which people usually ask, you know, when did you make the switch? So I had one specific trip that I was on a work trip that I was just feeling all the stress symptoms of their worst anxiety, overwhelm, trouble sleeping, you know, poor appetite. I think my blood pressure was going so high just from the anxiety that I would kind of see stars every time I would get up from the desk at the client site. So, and I was a consultant at this time. So traveling often and doing a lot of, you know, really kind of stretch assignments and goals, which I was really appreciative to have learned from, but didn't make the toll that they were taking on my life any less. So after that point, when I was really present with everything that was going on in the body and kind of what stress was doing to me emotionally and physically and mentally, I think the first thing I started to focus on was yoga. I think coming back from that trip, I took my first yoga class and then took me down the path of meditation and, and mindfulness. I started eating so much healthier, focusing on reducing caffeine. And these are all things that I was first doing for myself. So I was really focused on how can I support myself? Even though my work is really stressful, I kind of was already present with the fact that this can't go on forever like this. Something has to change. 
And then over the course of, I would say, four years, first with my own wellness journey, I started to just learn and research everything I could on nights and weekends. And this is what I was spending most of my free time on. So listening to health, health podcasts and reading books and docu- watching documentaries in health and wellness to then eventually really wanting to devote more of my time to this. So I got my health coach certification, my yoga meditation training, and then I started coaching people part-time as I was still in corporate until the pandemic started. And the pandemic was really what shifted things for me because I was initially focused a lot on physical health. So, you know, quality nutrition, more energy, all really, really important things, of course. And as a result of the pandemic, I was just seeing people struggle so much with stress and not yet have the tools that I had already built up over all that time. So I think the pandemic would have looked really different for me had I not had my meditation practice, for example, or just other mind-body practices that help keep me grounded. And I just felt like it was the right time to leave and really devote you know, my life to sharing and continuously learning everything in the wellness space. So over the past two years, I have shifted pretty significantly out of more physical health and more into mental health. So right now I work with breath work. I still work with yoga and mindful movement as well as meditation, but breath work is one of the ways that I help clients really reset the nervous system. And a lot of my work is now really focused on healing from burnout, healing our adrenals and resetting the nervous system from chronic stress. A lot of that reactivity and the way that we live in this constantly on, you know, really often triggered state day to day, I think it takes a really big toll on us. So I'm really glad that people maybe as a result of the pandemic are becoming more and more mindful of how stress affects us. And then the most recent um, addition to my coaching is I actually am now also working in the space of psychedelic therapy. So it's something that I myself benefited from quite a bit over the past two years. It's like, even after having done a ton of work on myself with yoga and meditation and other things, there was still so much more to uncover and work through. Mm. So the psychedelic space helped me work through that. And now I work specifically with psychedelics for treatment of depression and anxiety, as well as microdosing. So helping, you know, again, overcome chronic stress, overwhelm reactivity, and using these things as a catalyst for the other health changes that we can then be making. So focusing on that sustainable healthy habit change that often results from, you know, just better mindset, better mental health practices. We start to want to treat ourselves better and eat healthier, you know, exercise more, all of these things. So yeah, just finding synergy among all of these things. So kind of the mental, emotional, and physical aspects of wellness, trying to bring them all under one roof because they're all equally important. Wow. Yeah. A little bit about how I got here today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing all that. And I'm just impressed with the way that you were, that was so articulate. I feel like you really summed all of that up so perfectly. And I'm, you know, I, as, and I love that now it's like that your own journey with burnout and stress has led you into coaching people with that, but then really getting into the psychedelic space, which I'd love to talk more about because I feel like, you know, there is this story in our society, especially in corporate, especially just like in our society of like, we have to hustle, you know, it's seen as a good thing if you're working 80 hours a week and not as like a bad thing. Like my sister just started this corporate job and she's like, 
expected to respond at like 2 a.m. And I'm like, how is that okay? Like that is not okay in any way. And I think that, you know, when people are kind of go, go, going, and I know I myself have dealt with this a lot, it's like how much of, of that go, go, going and how much of that like hustle culture is embedded in our society, but also in our own like trauma patterns and our own like triggers. So I feel like, yeah, I guess my question is like, what are the things that you can give to corporate clients or how to recognize how stress is affecting your life? What are those things that you can really help you to kind of center yourself in in the day? And then also like going that layer deeper, it's like, yeah, what's, what's going on underneath. And I feel like that's where psychedelics really come in because that's, that's, you know, where those patterns are stemming from. So can you talk a little bit more about yeah, just the stress yeah. aspects and then how it goes deeper. Yeah, definitely. So it's funny because when I was starting out as a health coach and, you know, talking about myself as a yoga mindfulness teacher, and of course those parts are still present right now. I really think of myself more as a holistic stress coach, but when I was starting out in the area of physical health and supporting the body, there's a lot of tangible things that are there to give advice around, right? Making sure that you're nourishing yourself, making sure that we're mindful of our caffeine and alcohol intake, because those often become coping mechanisms when we're under stress. And I was really mindful to stay out of the space of mental health, because I thought that you know, I don't maybe have the proper training in it just yet, and just really trying to hold that boundary super strongly. And then really with the pandemic, it's like I was completely fully thrown into that space. And now I'm thankful to have had much more training in the ways that the nervous system impacts our mental health. But it's interesting, you know, the way I I describe what I do is in the area of mind body health, Mm -hmm. and that connection between the mind and body, because oftentimes we focus on one while forgoing the other. And I see this a lot in the corporate world where People who are really goal-oriented, high-achieving, maybe they've worn identity as a badge of honor for a really long time, you know, maybe as athletes growing up in high school and college, and then just trying to be super involved, right, extracurriculars. And then we bring that with us into the corporate world. And then in the corporate world, it's really just this job that we're expected to do. So we try to do it as you know, to the best of our abilities. And sometimes we give so much at the expense of our own health. And because we're so goal oriented, fulfilling the area of physical health is a little bit easier. And I often see people really not realize how much they're burning themselves out, just trying to check all the boxes. So you're working 80 hours a week, but then you're also exercising every night. You know, that's not serving anybody. Sitting at your desk for eight to 10 hours a day and then trying to undo all of that by running five miles in the evening, it's actually only putting the body under more stress. And I think people don't often realize that. And then again, some of the other, you know, really common things that we accept in corporate are caffeine and, you know, fueling a Starbucks obsession and, you know, that nightcap wine on the weekends very much was my coping mechanism when I was in corporate of just trying to keep up, you know, not just professionally, but socially. And just these things are so common and so accepted of, you know, it's okay to have a venti latte to start the day and have, you know, 300 milligrams of caffeine as the first thing you do waking up and then trying to close the day with a nightcap of wine, which is what we see, you know, in the movies and 
on Instagram and all of these things take such a huge toll on the body and they've just become so normalized. So I think the first thing that really happens for people when they reach that burnout space is just awareness of all of these things that have led up to it, you know, and all the things that um, we can change, we can shift, we can have a perfectly happy life while slowing down a little bit and listening to the body and nourishing it. It doesn't mean never having coffee or never having wine again. That's not, you know, anything that I'm about. I'm not like that purist. <laughs> it's just about really starting to heal from for some of us, years of going in that state of just constantly being overworked and on the go and trying to keep up. So I think the first thing as far as the stress response goes is just listening to the body and slowing down. A lot of times I think we forgo our intuition. This could manifest in so many different ways, but just, you know, even in our social relationships, sometimes, you know, that lack of boundaries exists, not just with work, right? If we're working 80 hour weeks, we're just trying to make appearances and, and be a good employee. And of course, sometimes it's also um, coming from a, a really amazing place of just wanting that sense of contribution. But, you know, having better boundaries is such an important thing, not just in our professional career as a way to rest and recharge the body, but also in our social relationships. And maybe there's conversations that we're having that aren't nourishing us and, we're just kind of shut down to that. You know, we're not honoring our intuition there about what needs to change. Maybe it's boundaries with, you know, again, how we spend our free time, you know, what we're eating, how we're filling up anytime on weekends that we have to ourselves. I think I just see that lack of boundaries as such a pervasive thing in, in corporate with corporate clients. And as well as just, again, shutting down and not really listening to what the body wants and just really being that person who kind of pushes through, through mental effort, right? We prioritize being analytical, being goal-oriented. We prioritize and idolize all of these things over being someone who's intuitive, someone who's gentle, someone who is nurturing and nourishing to themselves. Um, so I think there's a lot that happens just in that switch alone of notice, noticing Something needs to change. I need to slow down. Just that awareness of the body and how you feel when you are under stress. That's the first thing that I work on with anyone is just becoming aware of how stress feels for you, what you feel in the body, any of those physical symptoms. I know for myself, back when I was in corporate again, I would actually feel my adrenals like ache from being so overworked. I would feel that in the morning and in the afternoon. So we're all really unique and that stress manifests in very different ways for different people. For some people, it's chronic back pain. For some people, it's migraines. And for some people, it's gut issues from that inability to absorb the food that you're eating and really nourish yourself. So there's a lot of different ways that stress comes up. And I think it all starts with awareness and just knowing that if we don't slow down, it's all going to catch up with us eventually. And I wish, you know, people were a little bit more proactive about this, but sometimes it does, it takes us, you know, going into that place of maybe having a low point or just that really strong realization of, wow, I need to slow down. And that's okay. You know, wherever it is that we're starting from, as long as we introduce change going forward, that's fine. But yeah, that's kind of, you know, I think the first thing is just anyone who has been in motion for years and anyone who's been on the go and has really absorbed that as part of their identity, 
just know that there's nothing wrong with being energized or enthusiastic or passionate about what you do, but also you have to take time back to yourself and replenish yourself because when you're burnt out, that's not serving anyone. Mm. And there's only, you know, we all have our limit. So even if you haven't reached it yet, maybe let's not get there ever. Let's not push it to the limit and let's start to introduce healthier ways to be treating ourselves before that happens. Mm, Yeah. I love that kind of, you know, when you're, when you realize you're burned out, then it's almost already too late because you're burned out. And then that's when you're being forced to stop. And so whether that's physical illness or just, you know, mental breakdown or whatever, it's like, that's the point we don't want to get to. We want to kind of build those healthier habits so that we don't get to that point. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear just some like simple suggestions for, for our listeners, like if you are, you know, at a desk job sitting for eight to 10 hours a day, Mm -hmm. you know, what are ways that you can kind of minimize all that sitting time or, or reverse the effects of all that sitting time. You know, if you do drink coffee every day or have wine every night, like what are some of those simple shifts that maybe you've done that have really worked for you to have, to really come back to balance or that you've given to clients? Yeah, such a good question. And just to really quickly finish my thought from earlier, where I was saying I I wasn't really seeing myself as in the space of mental health. The tie-in for me has been that stress has an impact on our brain chemistry, and that has an impact on our mental health. So it's very much all connected. Whatever's happening in the body is going to, in some way, start impacting our mental state as well. So stress and burnout are actually uh, lead-ins to anxiety or depression or some of these deeper issues that we're now seeing in really high rates, especially after the pandemic. So this stuff is really, really important, right? Not just for physical health, but really for your overall well-being. And of course, the well-being of those around you, because when you're at your best, you know, people are served by you just at a different level. So as far as just slowing down and starting to unwind from stress as it happens, I would say the first few things to ask yourself are those awareness building questions. So what is my stress level currently? One to 10, 10 perhaps being the worst it's ever been. Where is the stress coming from in my life? So what is it that's actually causing me stress? Just that awareness, again, simple, simple awareness, that's shedding a light on what may need to change. So I often hear of people saying, I'm super stressed, I'm stressed all the time, I'm feeling stressed right now. And my question is, okay, well, what is it that caused you that way? Is it your manager that you're not seeing eye to eye with? Is it something in your personal life? Is it your relationship that's really impacting all other parts of your life? So we have to have that knowledge and that awareness. And from there, we can start to see and you know understand what changes may have to be made as far as our work or our personal life. As far as taking care of ourselves, I think caffeine reduction is one of the best things that we can all do, especially when we are in stress already. And that's because when we're under stress, our body's producing stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline primarily among others. These are the things that govern that stress response that we feel in the body. So anytime you feel like a racing heart rate or tense muscles, All of that is a result of the stress hormones that we're already naturally producing when our brain recognizes our life or the events in it as stressful. Now, when we add caffeine on top of that, caffeine stimulates the adrenal glands, and that means that they produce even more of those stress hormones. And over time, why this is important to realize is we can have a cup of coffee while we're stressed, no problem. We can have another one tomorrow and maybe drink coffee for a week. But when we do this day in and day out, when we wake up, and we're already stressed, we're producing those hormones. Now we 
have a cup of coffee in the morning, and then when we're feeling really tired in the afternoon, but we have to keep pushing through, so we have another cup of coffee, we're just continuing to stimulate more and more of those stress hormones circulating through the body. Mm. And we rarely give ourselves a reset from that. The ways to get rid of hormones, one of the best way is, of course, proper hydration. So flushing the body. And a lot of times we're not drinking enough water when we're sitting at a desk. And especially as we're drinking other liquids, we kind of forget that we haven't had a whole lot of just actual pure water that our body is craving. Mm. And the other great way to detox from hormones in the body is through sweat. So Exercise is amazing, but when you actually give yourself a chance to break a sweat, that's one of the pathways for elimination of stress hormones. Saunas are amazing. One of the best ways to, when you're under stress, to be supporting yourself at a physical level to get rid of all of that that's building up in the body. Of course, also relaxes the mind, relaxes the muscles. But going back, caffeine reduction is really, really important in these times. And I know that for someone who's stressed and trying to get a lot done, telling them to reduce caffeine, it's like one of the most counterintuitive things possible. But I promise you, it takes the body maybe three to five days to start to get back to baseline, that natural energy production that's possible for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I actually have clients who choose to take that on. So for a week, we do a caffeine detox challenge. I guide this in group settings as well as one-on-one. And we just gradually phase the caffeine intake down while introducing other things, other foods that are going to help us produce natural energy. Again, we all have the capacity to produce enough energy to get ourselves through the day. We have that within ourselves. We just always rely on other external things to give us that boost. And over time, it wears down our natural ability. So we can heal the adrenals. We can heal the gut. We can heal, you know, out of this caffeine dependence that we're on. So that's a really simple one is just replacing maybe... If you are, you know, just interested in like, okay, how can I do that? You know, maybe just at home to yourself, start incorporating more decaf. It's just one of the simple habits of just like hacking the brain, have half a cup of decaf and a half a cup of regular coffee and have that. So you're already taking down the caffeine amount by a half while still, you know, your brain is still thinking that you're drinking that cup of coffee. And then of course, gradually going down to things like black tea or green tea, again, very gradually, you don't want to go cold turkey, especially if we have that reliance on caffeine, it might result in a crash the next day might result in headaches. But again, all of those are symptoms of how dependent our body has become on the substance. So really important to shed light on that and just know, you know, how affected you might be by this substance that we all consume daily, pretty much without thinking about it. And then the other thing with, you know, winding down after a day of work it's super important to be taking breaks periodically. So as opposed to, again, trying to push through for eight hours and just sitting, 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 and then going into exercise, again, after eight hours of sitting, our body is probably going to receive that hour of exercise as additional stress. And we know that exercise also naturally produces more stress hormones. It is a stressor on the body. So again, being mindful of that, right? Are we treating ourselves with the care that we actually deserve? Or are we just trying to continue to push ourselves even outside of work when it's when it might not be what's really needed. So taking breaks periodically through the day, 
definitely being mindful of stretching sore muscles. One of the things that I teach for corporate teams is desk yoga. So even just going on YouTube and doing a couple desk yoga breaks, a couple mindful breaks, just breathing for three to five minutes. If you have that extra moment between meetings, or if you, you know, put together your own schedule, even better, give yourself those breaks, maybe three times a day or more, ideally, you know, at least once every hour or two hours. But that way, by the time the end of the day rolls around, you don't have that crashing feeling where the only thing that you want to do is turn to coping mechanisms, just have a quick, you know, dinner that's not really nutritious, maybe just have a snack and fall asleep. That's that crashing, you know, that results after a long day like that, where we just go, go, go. So being mindful of that throughout the day. And then in the evening, oftentimes, this is where we turn to our coping mechanism of choice. For some people, it's sugar or snacks. Again, that might not be super good for us. For some people, it's wine or alcohol or, you know, maybe something else, maybe going on Amazon and taking it out on your credit card, all that frustration. Again, stress manifests in different ways and we all have different ways of coping. So usually though, the reason coping mechanisms are there is there's a signal, right? Something in the body is saying, I want to relax. And we've just associated relaxation with this thing. Could be again, glass of wine, scrolling on social media, binging Netflix, whatever it is, we found relaxation in it. And now we associate being relaxed with doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And so here, this is going along the lines of habit change, just notice how the body is feeling in those moments. If you're, you know, reaching for, I'll just use this to keep going with that simple example again, because it was my own. If we're reaching for a glass of wine and we have that association, that wine is comforting, it's going to be soothing. We're going to forget our troubles. Just notice, can I give myself that same way of feeling by other means? Can I do some light yoga? Can I go? I mean, in this case, I would say if you're looking to replace something like alcohol, absolutely do it with exercise. You know, going for a light jog or a walk outside is going to be great as a way to just unwind and clear the mind as long as you're not like pushing yourself to, you know, run a half marathon every night. Anything else that's going to help you soothe, maybe journal call a friend, have a nourishing conversation here again, right? With the example of coloring books, it could look so different person to person. It doesn't have to look just, you know, sitting in meditation or something like that. If that doesn't do it for you, you don't have to practice that, you know, even as a meditation teacher, I say it's not for everyone. Although it seems like a really gentle practice, it just doesn't do it for some of us. And that's okay. Maybe for you, it's playing music or doing something with your hands, like putting together a puzzle. That's a great mindfulness activity that just helps slow down the analytical mind. So just notice that cue that's making you turn to a coping mechanism, the one that, you know, you know, has worked for you that you formed that association with. And just ask yourself, is there another way that I could soothe myself right now? What other ways will be better for me to overcome maybe the stress that I've been feeling throughout the day? Mm, thank you. Yeah, this has been, I feel like it's so helpful just to hear those super tangible tips and really just come back to that question of like, yeah, what is nourishing me and what, mm. what, like, what can I do that nourishes me? And it, and it again, brings me back to creativity as a mindful practice. And even, you know, if you are doing art, art therapy or coloring or journaling, or like, you know, is that better than those usual mechanisms that you tend to? And I'm, and I'm also so glad you're bringing 
caffeine into the conversation because I think that, you know, caffeine is just widely accepted around the world as this thing that we consume daily. And I'm someone who I get a lot of anxiety when I drink caffeine and I, but I do love the taste of coffee and I do love having coffee occasionally, but that's something that I have to be really mindful of, of like not consuming it. And it's just crazy that it's like, you can go into a shop and buy this drug essentially, but other, other drugs, which maybe we can get into the psychedelic conversation here. Cause I use, I use cannabis actually as one of my, like both processing tools also can be a coping tool at times. And that is something that I need to be mindful of too, but it's like, you know, that's not accepted, but caffeine is. And it's like, where, where do we have that, that discrepancy? And, and I think even in like the way that it impacts brain chemistry, caffeine impacts brain chemistry so much in a more negative way than let's say something like cannabis. So that's kind of getting into that, but I do want to hear about your you know, experience now with psychedelics, like you said, through your own healing, but then also now how you're really incorporating that into your work and how, like, what's it like working with clients through psychedelic experiences? I find just the research of that and everything that goes into it so fascinating. And I'm really glad that we're now kind of shifting into that conversation in society after really, you know, shunning it and having this negative connotation with it for so long. So yeah, super curious about your personal experience too. Yeah, definitely. And I do think this is one of the ways that hopefully as a result of the pandemic, we're becoming more open-minded just to any and all new ways of healing definitely is still something that it pushes the boundary of a lot of people who hear about it, especially in the corporate world. But at the same yeah. time, I do have a lot more people coming to me with that curiosity. And maybe they're not super open where they would ever, you know, post about it or share about it. But there's a lot more curiosity about it. If people are just really tired of the traditional ways of healing that we've had available. And that's not to say that therapy isn't helpful. It is helpful for so many and it saved so many lives. Same with antidepressants and just other medicines, more traditional medicines that we take for even just coping with stress or, or healing from depression or anxiety. But to your point, first of all, even before psychedelics are introduced, there's a lot of lifestyle habits that can support us in overcoming these things. So you made a really important point there where you feel anxiety when you drink caffeine. That's a really common impact of caffeine on us. And just by way of paying more mindful attention to what you have daily and how you feel before, during, and after, really important noticing after, we can start to make really impactful changes to how we feel. And again, our mental health and so many other downstream impacts. So even just noticing, you know, the things that I use daily, whatever that might be, how do you feel after them? Do you feel an increase in those undesirable symptoms that you're trying to get over? You know, it's like when we have very little energy and we have a cup of coffee and we feel great for about 30 minutes, but then we're actually maybe even lower than baseline than when before we had the coffee. That's a really important thing to know. Could be one of the signs that maybe caffeine is something you should hold off on right now until you heal the body and the mechanisms by which we metabolize caffeine. Another one is of course with alcohol. Oftentimes it leaves us much worse off the next day because as we know, it is a nervous system, central nervous system depressant. So we have feel good hormones that are released in the moment, but then afterwards they 
the substance leaves us feeling worse off. Mm. So really important to take note of that. How do I feel after I consume something? And it could also be different foods too. I mean, it doesn't have to just be, you know, caffeine, alcohol, and other drugs and, and cannabis and these things that we sometimes turn to for relaxation. That's just an important question to ask yourself in general, in all of life. Like, how did I feel after I did X? That alone could shine a light on so many of those lifestyle changes that could be supporting us. Now, with psychedelics specifically, and for anyone who's new to psychedelics being a healing modality, there is a wealth of research and research studies that have been going into all different types of psychedelics. So the psychedelic family is pretty vast. There's, of course, psilocybin from medicinal mushrooms. There's MDMA, ketamine, DMT, all sorts of different substances that act on different parts of the brain. So interestingly enough, you know, these things are so powerful. These substances are really, really powerful in creating non-ordinary states of being. And for the longest time, we've discounted the value of being in those non-ordinary states. Even traditional therapy really discounts the benefits of psychedelic therapy because we think of it as just like ways that we hallucinate or just things that we can't or couldn't have explained before as to why they're happening and what effect they residually have on us. But now we're finally studying that. And even just some super promising things that are coming out of this field for treatment of PTSD, which a lot more of us have than we realize. It's not just something that happens to veterans, but so many people struggle with PTSD, whether it's been diagnosed or not. So for treatment of PTSD, even a couple sessions of MDMA therapy have been shown to reduce PTSD ever coming back or coming back for years and years after. Mm -hmm. So it's super promising. And I'm so glad we're finally, you know, paying attention and leaning in and it's getting so much research, millions and millions of dollars of research by medical bodies like Johns Hopkins are now studying it. So I've been very optimistic about that for many years. I experienced it myself since as a result of the pandemic, I relocated to Mexico and here there's, I will say a lot more accessibility as far as more traditional ceremonial settings and ways of healing. So I recognize the privilege and just having been able to have access to something like that. Mm -hmm. And what I'm now interested in is how can we allow this type of healing to be experienced by those who may not be in spaces that have access to something like that? Maybe you live in a, in a state or a city that still has, you know, all of these things criminalized, even cannabis, right? Even medicinal cannabis in some places isn't accessible. So my interest is in how can we really, I would say like, democratize access to mental health options, um, especially for those people who have not been served by traditional therapy or antidepressants, which is, uh, I, I think the statistic is something like under 50% of people who take antidepressants experience a benefit from them, which I think is really important to take note of that. And just in the research that we're seeing around psychedelics, the benefits felt are much, much higher. It's up to 80% or more um, for certain families of psychedelics for helping overcome certain mental health disorders. So the ways that I've been introducing it into my coaching practice is first microdosing with psilocybin. And of course, again, this is not yet legal everywhere. And I want to be mindful of that. It is accessible in some places and to some people. And then the other way I work with psychedelics specifically is with ketamine, which is the only psychedelic that is legal for the treatment of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So the clients that I work with go through a psychiatric evaluation to make sure that they're a fit 
for this type of therapy. And then we work to integrate their sessions, make sense of them and make sure that as a result of psychedelic therapy sessions, the client is also creating those lasting health habits in their life. Again, this is what I've been interested in for so long. It's how can we start to create more positive change in our life that we're actually looking forward to, that we start to feel benefits from, as was the case for me gradually over years. I would say that now it's possible to expedite that journey quite a bit. And again, really just thinking of psychedelics as a catalyst, not something that we need to be relying on for a long period of time. But I do think they're really powerful in reshaping our brain chemistry when done safely, when prescribed, when you know exactly the substance, where it's coming from, the quantity quantity, the dosage, and of course, when you have that supportive structure from a coach or a guide or a therapist who's trained in psychedelic therapy, who can guide you through some of these really profound, really opening experiences. So that's been really rewarding to see. And the last point I'll say to the accessibility is again, all of these different types of therapies aren't accessible to everyone. And so that's the reason I actually work with breath work because a lot of times there are certain contraindications that happen for why we can't take certain substances, of course. Maybe we aren't able to go off of certain medications that we currently take, and that's more than fine. You know, we don't want to disrupt an already really sensitive balance in the body that maybe we have created over time. Breath work is one of the ways that without taking anything, just through the process of continuous, very specific breathing through something like what I facilitate or now many other coaches facilitate facilitate as well, you're able to actually reach those non-ordinary states of consciousness where you can release stress, trauma, and on a physical level, this is a resetting of the nervous system. I really think of it as coming out of a breathwork session, you just experience a whole body reboot. And I always get so many profound notes and messages about what people experience in breathwork sessions. And it's been very much the same for me and my breathwork journey as well, of just experiencing that healing potential of something as simple as the breath, right? This is why I think just the whole area of wellness and healing is so amazing because at the end of the day, all these things aside, we are our own greatest healer. Even with my clients, I make sure that everyone is aware that it's not me. It's not anything that, you know, I'm necessarily even, you know, bringing. It's just that I'm catalyzing this happening within you. And every single one of us has that capacity to heal from anything, mm -hmm. from things that are more mild, like corporate burnout, all the way to more impactful conditions like depression. We all have that capacity within us. And everyone's journey is different. So everyone is going to have a different medicine that works for them. For some, it's the medicine is meditation. For some, it's breath work. For some, it's psychedelics or something else. And I will also say that everyone's journey is of different lengths. So even if someone is, you know, maybe listening to this and you've tried a lot of different things and you're really going through it right now, I promise you that at a certain point, it does get better. Like something does click. It's just up to us to really be open to take that journey on, no matter how difficult it's been in the past, and just continue going along the journey until we find those better outcomes that are possible. Because I promise you, just from the work that I've already been doing over the past four years, the body is so resilient. And as soon as we start nourishing it and giving it the right inputs and the things that it's maybe been craving for a really long time, it starts to change in a positive direction. The body wants to feel good. It wants to heal. And sometimes we just 
are disconnected from it or aren't really sure what those things are that are going to support us individually. So mm. yeah, just want to make sure I highlight that as well. Yeah, That's beautiful. I love that piece of that. Like, you know, every, first of all, our bodies are resilient. And second of all, like your medicine might be different and like to find, to find your medicine. So maybe that is, you know, as simple as journaling, maybe that is breath work. Maybe that is yeah. like, something's got, something's going to work for you. I'm like, I'm curious if people are, because kind of, you know, there is so many barriers to access with psychedelics. If someone does kind of feel that calling to put, dip their toes in, like, what would be your suggestion of, of, re, of like finding a resource to work with or, or, you know, if they were interested in using that modality, you know, with, with ketamine, like what is a really good place to get started with that? Yeah. So a couple of the researching bodies and organizations that are doing research around this are Johns Hopkins. Again, you can go on their website and just research, you know, Johns Hopkins psychedelic therapy. They have a whole endowment for this at this point. So there's a lot of studies and, you know, research papers that you can find there. MAPS is another. So MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. They're based out of California on their website and on their Instagram, MAPS News. They have tons and tons of resource, resources around really like structured in-person clinical trials they're doing or medical trials that they're doing with psychedelic treatment. A few other resources are third wave. They have a wealth of information on microdosing. So you can go on their website. They have a microdosing course. Again, this isn't something where you can go and purchase products. This is right. education focused so that everyone can do it safely. So third wave is great. And beyond that, really just Instagram. So if anyone is interested, you can always reach out to me. It's some of all positive on Instagram. So that's S-U-M of all positive. And I can send you a couple more pages. I frequently repost. I have about like six or seven Instagram pages that I'm connected with that I repost information from. You can also really just go on PubMed. That's one of my favorite resources for finding any of those research studies if you are a skeptic. So pubmed.com. You can type in and basically like essentially do a Google search within PubMed for anything that you're interested in, if it's a specific psychedelic substance and Reddit. So oftentimes, again, because the grassroots nature of a lot of these efforts to decriminalize and to just make mental health treatment more accessible through these different new modalities, a lot of times it is up to just individual people who have been experimenting with certain things who have had benefit from them. There's no like other place really to go and share something like that. So I've had some colleagues and friends just turn to Reddit for their research. So yeah, but I'm always here for anyone with questions about any of this. I'll just voice note back or you can send me an email or a message there. But yeah, there's more and more coming. And I would say if it is something that is definitely not accessible in your area, Breath work. I mean, virtual breath work, start there as far as exploring different states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Breath work can take you there. I host it virtually twice a month. It's also something that I incorporate in my one on one coaching, but there's so many different breathwork practitioners now, again, that you can find on social media or just by way of Google search that are going to help tap into those very similar states that taking 
other substances can also help us reach. It's just that we don't even have to buy anything other than maybe that breathwork class. So, mm, yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you. Those resources are really helpful. And mm. I know we're wrapping up in a bit, but I wanted to touch lightly on your recent Joe Dispenza retreat mm. and what that was like. And, you know, kind of as we're talking about like working with the brain, working with your mental health, like how, how did that retreat impact you and how is how has, how has that been working with Joe Dispenza's modalities? Yeah, um, that was about three months ago. And that was one of the best things that I think I've ever gone to. I go mm-hmm. to a lot of different personal development and wellness events. For anyone not familiar, Joe Dispenza is a author. He leads his own meditation retreats and there's just a wealth of knowledge. So for anyone interested, I would recommend starting with his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It's like a personal development seminar in a book. (laughs) So I think that's a great starting point for anyone new to his work. But yeah, this was a really profound experience of about a thousand of us in Florida meditating for six days. It is not a silent meditation retreat. It is just very specific meditations. The longest one we did was about four hours. So compared to a traditional like silent meditation retreat, they're actually a lot shorter. Hmm. I mean, at a silent meditation retreat, you're pretty much meditating for eight hours a day. So this was stretches of about an hour and a half to two to three hours of meditations over six days. So we did, I believe, maybe three or four in a day. And that is definitely another way that people can reach those (laughs) non-ordinary states. So the meditations that he specifically guides are also just a little bit of a mix with hypnosis as well. Mm. And just being in a community of people meditating is really profound because we're all focusing on gratitude and positivity and on the heart space and on just these really beautiful outcomes that everyone is hoping to achieve in their life. A lot of people are there for personal healing. So people actually come to heal from cancer and tumors and Parkinson's. And I saw firsthand multiple people um, start walking out of their wheelchairs uh, by day three and four. And those things, you know, if you're like at all skeptical hearing this, I promise you, you won't be when you literally see it with your eyes. And that is the biggest reinforcement of we are our own greatest healer, just sitting in meditation and holding an intention for for healing, for, you know, positive outcomes for your life, whatever that might be, that the intention that you're holding is, it's profound that people can achieve these literally in a matter of days of just that focused work and all just within the brain and body through our own energy, through our own healing capacity. And of course he does a really good job actually explaining what's happening in the body. And he does studies of people's blood, their saliva, so looking at their genetic biomarkers, as far as what happens as a result of a meditation retreat. And we were all participating in the largest study done on meditation ever, where we were we had our saliva samples taken and we had uh, a wearable device that we wore all week to measure heart rate activity, our sleep and other things. And all of these things have a positive shift that happens when we're really intentional with our self-care, with our mindset, with our intentions. 
And he actually does study that impact on the hormones in the body, better immunity. That's one of the biggest impacts that he specifically researches is just more protection from viruses and disease as a result of signaling new hormones and new chemicals to be produced from more positive, more grateful meditative states that we achieve, especially after such concentrated, dedicated work in mindfulness. So yeah, it has, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, for sure, implications, but also physical. And I love that we can now see through science what's actually happening in the body when we practice some of these wow. things. So. Wow, that's that, that sounds so powerful. And yeah, I, I just love that it's all, it is all backed by research. So for those people who are, you know, more skeptical or, or want to want to kind of see those tangible results that they can, and it's there and it's, and it's, and it's right there in front of us. So thank you, Marina. This has been so informative. I feel like there's some, I learned so many new things and just really being able to relate it to what's actually going on in the body, I think is actually really helpful. So where is the best place for people to connect with you? I know you mentioned your Instagram, is there any other place where people can reach out and get connected? Yes. So Instagram is where I'm most active. So that's S-U-M, sum of all positive. That's also my website, sumofallpositive.com. And my email is marina at sum of all positive. So I am always here to connect. I've had some beautiful connections made with people as a result of different podcasts that I've been on. So if I can support you, or if you just have questions for yourself or for someone in your life, a lot of times I hear about, you know, my daughter is struggling with this. What do you think? Or, you know, my spouse, my partner, or just maybe that signal of, wow, you know, I really do need to slow down. I welcome all of that. I love that. And that's the reason why I do what I do. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being that resource for people. And yeah, just thanks so much for sharing today. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.